0: Good morning everybody. Again, welcome to Christ Center. We're so grateful to get this time with you each and every week. Thank you for joining us, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online. My name is Tim and I'm on the staff team here. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called Count Me In. In this series we're going to spend three weeks talking about church, specifically about our church. We're going to pull back the curtain and give you a closer look at who we are and what we're all about. We're going to start with a story, though. When I was in sixth grade, sixth grade, I think I was about 11 years old, uh, my homeroom teacher at Kashmir Middle School was Mr. Scott Green. Does anybody know Scott Green? Scott Green is sitting right here in front of me, so no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Green, you were an amazing teacher, and you left a very positive impression on me, but you had a pet peeve. I don't know if you remember this, but there was one thing that drove you crazy and you made this pet peeve known the first week of class and you re-emphasized it throughout the school year. Does anyone here know what Mr. Green's pet peeve was? And no, Eric, it was not me. (laughs) And Mr. Green, you're not allowed to answer. Mr. Green's pet peeve was when a student would answer one of his questions with these three words. I don't know. I don't know. Williams, why didn't you get your homework done? I I don't know. Williams, why were you late to class this morning? I don't know. Williams, why are you throwing balls of paper at Zach Nesery? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Mr. Green would say that most of the time, not always, but most of the time we do know, or at least we're smart enough to give a better answer than just, I don't know. And as a church, our hope with this series is to equip you with knowledge about who we are so you don't have to answer the questions about Christ Center with, I don't know. Especially to Mr. Green if you're talking to him over by the coffee after or before church. So just a few opening thoughts on the Big C Church. That is the global church we uh, are a little C church, right? And then the big C church is anyone who follows Jesus. And so, a few opening thoughts on this. And here it is. There's a phrase that you will never find in the Bible. And that phrase is this Where do you go to church? Where do you go to church? You'll never find that in the Bible. In fact, there's no place in the Bible actually says you should go to church. There's a real important reason for this. It doesn't mean that you should stop going to church. In the time when the New Testament was written, nobody thought about calling a building a church. They didn't even have any buildings for church people to gather in at that time. They just had people like us. The people were the church. And then over the centuries, something strange happened. What used to be the name of the people became the name of a building. This happens today even about our building here. Folks might say, man, you have such a beautiful building. Or why didn't you make a more beautiful building? However, to early Christians, that would have made no sense at all. That would be like somebody today looking at a crib and saying, you have a beautiful baby. No, 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 no. A baby is people. A crib is just a thing. A crib is just a place where you put the baby. And you don't even put the baby in there all the time. You just put the baby in there so they can rest up and recharge and then go back into the world. The world is where the action is. The baby was made for the world. The baby loves being in the world. If you have a baby, would you want them in the crib 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Well, if you're exhausted right now, maybe you would. But that's not what the baby's purpose is. So maybe we should start saying, Welcome to the crib. And by the way, a little bit of family news here about our old crib on Vine Street in Kashmir. We sold it. Right? (laughs) Christ Center uh, has owned a small building on Vine Street in Kashmir since 1947. And just a couple weeks ago, we sold it. Praise God. Thank you for your faithful prayer. And if you're a member of our church, thank you for voting yes. And allowing us to do that so we can continue toward our goal of paying off this building. Another phrase that you never read in the Bible is Hey, how was church today? We'll ask that sometimes today. And what we mean is, How did a particular service go? How was the music? How was the band? Was it your kind of music? Did you like it? How did the sermon go? How much did you like the talk? By the way, how's this sermon going so far? Doing okay? Pretty good? Is church going okay today? What happens? See, we got way off. We often measure church by how was that one little group of people on that one little platform in that one little building during that one little hour, how are they doing? And we've gotten a bit off here. This tendency to compartmentalize and restrict the church to a particular place at a particular time actually isn't new at all. It crops up over and over again, and guess what? God never likes it, and it wasn't his idea. In fact, a great question for us to ask as we're talking about the church is what does, where, does God, where does God think church is, and how does God think church went today? After all, the whole church thing was God's idea. As it turns out, there actually is a passage in the Bible that talks about this very directly, and I'm going to read it for you. I have to warn you, uh, it's a bit challenging. It's from the prophet named, a prophet named Isaiah. And God gave this prophet a message to give to his people. And I thought it would be a great place for us to start today. So you can read along with me. This is from the message translation. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Face my family, Jacob, with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship and love studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right-living people, law-abiding, God-honoring people. They ask me, what's the right thing to do? And love having me on their side, but they also complain. Why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? Well, here's why. The bottom line on your fast days is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time, you bicker and fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. Do you call that fasting? A fast day that I, God, would like? This is the kind of fast day I'm after to break the chains of injustice. Saying about that this morning. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you Where to go? I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles and strong bones. You'll be like a well watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations out from your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. This section of the Bible, Isaiah 58, is one of the great chapters in the book of Isaiah, in all the Bible, and really in human literature. The problem was the people thought they would measure how the people of God were doing like this. Well, I fasted a long time today. I had these really deep experiences. I learned a lot. I felt a lot. I was deeply moved when we sang. In other words, they measured by what did we receive during this one little hour when we were in here. God says, no, 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 not at all. God measures by what did they give during the rest of the week when they were out there. Gathering together to worship and learn and have community is a really good thing to do. Your growth will be stunted without it. And we hope that you make a deep commitment to do it on a regular basis. We hope you do that for your children. But team, here's what's critical. We do not gather for our sake. We come to the crib to rest up and recharge and get nourished so we can go into the world and be the church. So we can go into our homes, our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, our community, and be the church. And with that passage, with that understanding, with that as our backdrop of God's heart, we're now going to take a closer look at who Christ Center is and what we're all about. Sound good? Does that sound good? Okay, great. We have what we call here at Christ Center a vision framework. These are the underpinning ideas of who we are and what we do as a church. And I'm going to walk you through it today. And I'm going to take it at a bit of a run because there's a lot to share. So here we go. It starts with our beliefs. Beliefs are the foundation of who we are. And this is not just true for our church or in any organization, but this is actually true for you, for your life. Your core beliefs will guide your thoughts. They will guide your feelings. They will inform your behaviors, your social interactions, and ultimately they will shape your soul. That is why belief is so important to God. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever... Believes in me shall never thirst. The Apostle Paul writes, Anyone who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Christ raised from the dead will be saved. Or consider this passage from Hebrews without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Beliefs are not things we just say that we believe. Beliefs are ideas that we are prepared to act upon as if they were true. Beliefs are ideas that we are prepared to act upon as if they were true. So for us, it starts here. Beliefs. Our beliefs come from the Bible, but there's just one problem. There are a lot of things in the Bible. There's a lot of things in that book that aren't crystal clear. And this is why... We have literally thousands of denominations, right? I heard a joke about a guy who met another guy on a bridge. Uh, This one's been around the church world for a while, so maybe you've heard it. But GQ magazine did rank it the 44th best joke of all time. So here we go. Two guys met one another on a bridge and find out that they both believe in God. The first guy asks, are you a Christian or a Jew? The second guy responded, I'm a Christian. Catholic or Protestant, the first guy asked. Protestant, the second guy said. First guy goes, me too. What denomination? Baptist, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? Northern, of course. Me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? Why, Northern Conservative Baptist, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern Region? Great Lakes Region, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879? or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. second guy responds, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. And the first guy yells, Die, heretic! And pushes him off the bridge. <laughs> sadly, sadly, if we're not careful, we can be like this. If we don't agree with someone's ideas that we don't feel are the same as ours, We don't think we can be in community with them. And I just want to say, I'm so glad, I'm so glad Jesus wasn't like that. (laughs) Jesus wasn't like that, who had all authority, who was truth himself. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He had the authority on truth, and yet with him, everyone was welcome because nobody was perfect, and he didn't leave anyone where he found them, but he called them to something new because with God, anything is possible. Jesus was radically inclusive. The first sermon that he preached was so inclusive that the people in the temple drove him to the edge of the city to kill him. So we can hold both, right? We can hold truth and we can hold acceptance. I mentioned denominations a second ago. In case you didn't know, we're a part of one of those. We are a part of the Assemblies of God. It is a beautiful denomination. We're so grateful to be a part of a network that supports us, that provides accountability and our beliefs are in line with our denomination. At Christ Center, we want to approach belief with three things. Humility, humility, wisdom, and courage. Humility, wisdom, and courage. So with all this in mind, we have found it most helpful to bring a filter to our beliefs. A filter to our beliefs. This lens helps us look at our beliefs with the proper weight in the proper place. And it helps us make decisions about what we will emphasize, especially on a weekend, and why. So do you guys want to know what our filter is? Let me tell you. First, at the center, the core of who we are, is our die-for beliefs. These are the beliefs that are at the core of our Christian theology. They're non-negotiable, foundational truths. You're going to hear us talk about these a lot. And there are really nine of them. I'm going to speed through them and we'll put them, we'll be putting these up on our website this week so you can take a look at them. But here we go. Beliefs about God. There is one living sovereign God who eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus was sent, yeah, you can say amen after each one of these, that's okay. Jesus was sent by the Father to live on earth. He was fully God and fully human. He had no sin. Jesus willingly laid down his life and after three days rose from the grave. In doing this, Jesus fulfilled the payment of the world's debt of sin. The Holy Spirit was sent by the Father and the Son to convict the world of sin and to empower all who believe in Jesus Christ. He lives in every believer and is a constant helper, teacher, and guide. Beliefs about people. God created people in his image and every person, every person matters to God. All people are sinners. All people fall short of the moral mark of perfection. And we all need God's forgiveness. Those who confess and turn from their sin, trusting in Jesus Christ, will be saved by grace and become children of God with the promise of eternal life. And then our core beliefs about church, the Bible, and Christ's return. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And all believing people are members. That's good news. The Bible is the inspired word of God and is the supreme authority in all matters of faith and conduct. And Jesus Christ will return and there will be a final judgment. Those are our nine core beliefs. If you strip it all down to the studs, that's what you're going to find at the heart of who we are and what we believe and what we stand for. Now there's, like I said, a lot of other things in the Bible to talk about. Do you believe this? Do you believe that? And so we have the next concentric circle out, which we filter as our defend beliefs, defend beliefs. These are beliefs that we hold very firmly to and we are prepared to defend. However, we do not consider them essential to salvation like the die-for beliefs. Here are a few examples. I can't get them all because there's so many in the Bible we could talk about. Here's a few examples. Water baptism by immersion, right? That's something we defend Some people sprinkle. Maybe you were sprinkled. Some people uh, baptize infants. And that's just not how we understand it. We don't think it's a matter of a person's salvation, right? But that's something we believe. We defend and we'll baptize you by dunking you under the water as you saw earlier. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe that at conversion, every person receives the Holy Spirit. And yet there's more. And yet we see in Scripture that there is actually Something more you can experience through a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Women in roles of leadership. That's something that's going to be different here than maybe other churches. And we believe that there's strong biblical case for that. And that's a belief in our denomination. So you're going to hear Stephanie Haney up here preaching. You're going to see that we have a board member that's a woman on our board. Janice Dickens. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that we believe and we're prepared to defend. Not everyone agrees with that. The sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman. Just to say it, we believe there are just two genders and that marriage was designed by God as a covenant relationship. We believe that. We're prepared to defend that. Supernatural healing. We believe that God still heals bodies and people and hearts and that he intervenes beyond the bounds of physics, which he also created, Because physics draws its meaning from him, he can do whatever he wants, right? So that's why we have prayer ministry over here every Sunday so you can come and get prayed for because we believe that God still heals and intervenes today. So that's a quick list of some of the things we defend. These are things we take a firm stance on. We think these are pretty clear in scripture and these are beliefs that will sometimes differentiate us from other churches. Discuss beliefs. This is our third category. Beliefs that we think are in the discuss category. And these are beliefs we think are better suited for discussion than are necessarily things you're going to hear taught on much at Christ Center. And you know what? There's a lot of people, I've had a lot of conversations with people that wish we would do a series on a discuss topic, right? Here's a few examples. There's too many to list. But one example would be when and how will Christ return? Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, you know where you're at? If you're new to faith, you don't even know what those words mean, and God bless you. Sometimes I wish I didn't know what they meant. But here's the thing. We're not exactly sure, right? The Bible isn't perfectly crystal clear about that. Our denomination has a position, and we support that, but we filter it to the discussed beliefs. We believe that that topic and others like it are best suited for discussion, and not from the platform Teaching necessarily. Does that make sense? No? Okay, we'll keep going. (laughs) Uh, Another one is the initial evidence of baptism in the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues. This is something that's kind of a trademark of the assemblies of God. This is something that, again, we adhere to, but we put it in the discuss category. Another one is free will versus predestination. Sometimes we like to take these topics that flatten things down. And create this binary thinking around a way that God relates to humanity. And so we're just not going to really hit that hard on a weekend. It's a discuss belief. It's a belief, but that's where it lives for us. Again, we want to approach our beliefs with humility, wisdom, and courage. And you might have questions, concerns. You may disagree with some of the things that I just said. And I just want you to know, I would love to field any questions that you have or have a conversation with you about it. You can feel free to email us at office at ChristCenterCashmere.com. And I would love to dive in with you there. If you've got really pointed, hard questions about theology, I'm all in. I love talking about that stuff. But that's a snapshot of our beliefs. So from beliefs, we move to our values From the context of our beliefs come actionable steps that God invites us to. Our values represent the kind of people we want to become. And we have five of them. And actually in the next two weeks, Steve and Steph are going to spend more time talking about this. So I'm going to spend a little less time talking about it today. But here they are. Number one is follow Jesus. We believe that this is the most important thing uh, in human life that you can do. Spend time with God. Connect in community. Live generously and serve others. These five values are things we believe every person was created for and are the pathway to being a disciple of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about that a lot, right? No matter what we're talking about, we're going to be talking about these things. We're going to create strategies around how to help people engage with these things. From beliefs to values moves to purpose. Our purpose as a church is very simple. Love God and love people. This takes us back to Isaiah 58 that we started with and God's idea of what his people should be because remember, we do not gather for ourselves, right? We gather to worship, to recharge, recalibrate so we can go out into our community and be the church to love others. Love, simply defined, I love this definition, is to will and work for the good of another person. To will and work for the good of another person. That's why our church exists. When asked, teacher... Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We want to be a church that is known for love. We want to be a church that this community would actually miss if we weren't here. Because of our commitment to love them and to serve them. And this is why we have agreed to host rec soccer games on our field. This is why we started the community garden. This is why we host fall festival. This is why we let the Chelan County Fair use our parking lot. Because we want to love our community. We want to serve them. Without love at the heart of our church, we have the potential to do a lot of harm, actually. I joined the football team in sixth grade because I was curious about sports. And as luck would turn out, my homeroom teacher, Mr. Green, was also the sixth grade football coach. Imagine that. I'll be honest, uh, we weren't really a football family growing up. My dad sort of adopted football later in life uh, as a, a fan. And so I came into football a little bit ignorant of all the rules. Well, we got to our first game. Clean jersey, squeaky pads, fresh cut grass. Can anyone just imagine it with me if you've played football? The warm mountain breeze. I'm on the kickoff team, and we take our place on the field. I'm actually standing next to Zach Nesery, who's also on our board. Zach, good to see you. Standing next to Zach Zach Nesery in sixth grade. He's on the outside because he's faster than me. And the whistle blows, and the kicker kicks, and the first kick of the game is off. And my illustrious cashmere football career has begun. And the ball soars through the air and I run like the wind. My legs are pistons firing on all cylinders. My breath is a metronome. I see the player making the catch. I am pure 11-year-old momentum. The player catches the ball but doesn't run. What an idiot. He's standing there. I accelerate with everything I have and I obliterate him. I make the best tackle of my life. And I stand up over my crumpled opponent, waiting to hear the sound of a cheering crowd. But instead, I hear something else. It's Mr. Green's voice. Williams! And I turn around, and Mr. Green is there grabbing my face mask and pulls me in close and says, Don't you know what a fair catch is? Nope, too early. (laughs) And then he says, What were you thinking? And guess what I said to him? I don't know. I don't know. Often we can be like that 11-year-old Tim, full of belief and fire and momentum for Jesus, and we can find ourselves just obliterating people, (laughs) bulldozing people, criticizing people, majoring on the minors, defining ourselves by what we're against rather than what we're for. Often we can define ourselves by what we're against rather than what we are for. Because we forget our purpose. Our purpose is to love others. And from this purpose, our mission comes into focus. You got a few minutes, guys. Our mission comes into focus, and our mission is what we do. Christ Center's mission is to reach people for Jesus and make disciples. And we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. The final words that Jesus gave his disciples in Matthew 28 were these, All authority in heaven and on earth was given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. We at Christ Center are committed to growing disciples of Jesus, to baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and Teaching people to obey, not a very popular word in our culture, obey everything that Jesus commanded. When we do these things, there is a promise that comes along with it. Jesus promises to help us, to be there. We can be confident that if we are committed to reaching people for Jesus and making disciples, we don't do it alone but we'll be tapping into the hidden jet stream of Holy Spirit power already at work in this world, this community, in your home, in your life. And we'll see that redemption power unleashed one life at a time. Now you'll notice that there's a dotted line. If we can have that come back up, the little diagram. You'll notice there's a dotted line right here. Everything beneath this dotted line in our vision framework as a church will not change. These things don't change. Our beliefs, our values, our purpose, our mission. Everything above the dotted line, which I'm going to talk about now, those things will change. They'll change with time. They'll change with context. They'll change with what's working today, relevance. And here's those two things. One is our strategy. This is how we will do our mission. How, oh, take that back. Thank you. How we will accomplish our mission how we live out our purpose, how we help people engage with our values. The strategy is how we will do it. And the goals are where we are going and when we will get there. So my place on staff, honestly, is I spend a lot of time right up there with the staff team talking about, hey, how's our strategy going? How are we going to help people become disciples of Jesus? Alpha is a strategy. Small groups is a strategy. Fall Fest is a strategy. Right? Coffee is a strategy. Yeah, it's a good strategy. (laughs) But if it doesn't work anymore, we're going to stop doing it. Because we're not married to our strategies. We're married to our foundation, our beliefs, our values, our purpose, our mission. We're not married to the strategies. We hold those open-handedly. And we measure how effective they are. And then our goals... We set our goals with, where are we going? When will we get there? How are we going to accomplish those things? And that's what I get the privilege of sort of driving home with the church. Just so you know, each quarter, the staff team establishes individual goals in a collaborative team process, and my job is to make sure all our goals are aligned and coordinated with each other and with the mission. I'll ask this question a lot. You can ask anybody on staff. Hey, how does that help us make disciples? Right? How does that help us reach people for Jesus? I want to do this thing. It's really cool. That's really neat. How does that help us make disciples? That's my job. I'm so proud of this church. I'm so proud of our staff. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so proud of what God's doing here. I'm so grateful. And just by the way, we are growing as a church. And I want to let you know, if you're thinking about one way you could get involved or help out today... Kelsey said it earlier, but we have a big need in kids' ministry. Did you know that the number one correlating factor for kids retaining their faith into adulthood is that they have a Christian adult friend that is not their parent? Number one correlating factor between kids that retain their faith into adulthood that don't. And that's the opportunity that stands before you and me today with our kids' ministry. Let's get in there. And let's build relationships with our kids so that we can prepare them for a life of faith. If you want to be a part of that or you want to find out more about joining the team, you can text Count Me In to the number that we have on the screen. Here it is 844 764 1251. You can also go to our website. But I'm just going to end with one quick story. The previous church that I was at was a very big church, it was really big. We had 10 campuses. 30,000 in-person attenders, 20,000 online attenders each week. And this was before COVID, before COVID. And I was the online church pastor there. My first month on the job, November of 2018, I was standing in the doorway of the communications director uh, in her office talking about digital strategy when the senior pastor, Bob, walked in with a Sunday newspaper in his hand. It was the Star Tribune. That is the primary newspaper in the Twin Cities. And he threw it down on Carrie Ann's desk and said, Look at this. This makes me sick, Bob said. The headline was, The Rise of the Nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And it was an article about the increase of people who no longer affiliated themselves with any organized religion. Maybe you've heard that term before. That when surveyed about their faith, they would check the box, none. Maybe you know someone who's moved to the none category. And Bob said, don't they know about us? Don't they know that we've had 10,000 people say yes to Jesus for the first time in the last two years? That's true. He said, someone should call these guys and get them to run an article on us. And Carrie Ann and I looked at each other and I said... uh, I'll do it. Let me have that, Bob. Hand me that newspaper. Bob handed it to me. I took the paper back to my desk. I looked at the name of the reporter who had written the article. I googled the Star Tribune, and I found her email address, and I wrote her an email introducing myself and letting her know we had read the article, we were experiencing unprecedented growth, and I asked her if she would consider doing a piece on our church. She replied to me in 15 minutes, saying, we've heard about you. And we'd love to do an article. When can we come in for an interview? So I walked over to Bob's office, very excited. First month on staff, you know. All right, we got it. And uh, trying to temper my enthusiasm, said, hey, Bob, they got back to me. They'd like to come in for an interview. Bob looked at me and nodded, and he said, good, let's do it together. A few days later, I was sitting in Bob's office with a reporter from the Star Tribune listening to this senior pastor answer questions about the church he had led for 30 years. He was the senior pastor of that church from the time it was only a few hundred people in a small, obscure town in the suburbs of Minnesota to today, 10 campuses, 30,000 in-person attenders. And the reporter asked Bob this question. Maybe the question we're all thinking. How did you grow such a big church? How did you do it? And I was looking at Bob, wanting to know that very answer. And I'll never forget what he said. I'll never forget what he said. He said, well, I'm not smart enough to build a big church. God did that. Frankly, I don't even like big churches, Bob said. Crowds intimidate me. I never wanted to attend a big church, let alone build one. But I did want to build an effective church, one that would actually help people. And I think maybe that's why we've grown, because God's giving us more people to help. We're not here at Christ Center to be a big deal. Who cares? Who cares? Let someone else chase after that. We're not here to have a really nice crib. (laughs) Big deal. Who cares? We want to be an effective church. God, let us be effective. God, let us help people that need help, whose lives are being torn apart by sin, and that really need redemption and healing, because that's who God cares about. That's who God stands ready to help. If we will obey Jesus, if we will do what he says, he stands ready to change your life, just one person at a time. So I hope that you'll say, count me in for that. Count me in for that. Let's make a difference right here in our community that matters so much to God. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you that you love every person in this room. God, you love them. God, thank you that you love our neighbors. God, you love our city, whether we live in Kashmir, Wenatchee, Leavenworth, East Wenatchee, or beyond. And that, God, you are looking for people who will go and do the work that you care about. And it's not about building a brand. It's not about growing to be impressive. Who cares? God, it's about helping people. Lord, help us to be humble as we approach that work. Help us to do it with wisdom. And help us to do it with courage. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.